we are exploring a concept that's called solo poly, which when I heard it, I'm like, how can you be solo poly if you're married? I was like, I get to see if, if someone who is solo poly if they're single. But we had a married couple who's like, we're solo poly. And I didn't get it. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their funny, sexy, and fascinating stories as they take us on their journey. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches it a little differently. And at its core, our show is about hearing, highlighting, and learning from the different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it is important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect those of our own. So sit back, relax, and just accept the fact that your time with us will be spent in an awkward turmoil of laughter and arousal. We should also let you know that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. If that kind of thing offends you, we suggest you keep listening until it no longer does. If you're under 18, you either need to stop listening or go get your parents and you can listen as a family. The choice is yours. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 19. Is that good enough in? That's better. That was take 17. (laughs) No, it wasn't. Anyway, this episode we have a fun interview with a poly couple. They have arranged uh, a meet and greet out in the mid-Atlantic region. So for poly... created... Okay, they created a meet and greet. Sorry. They created it out of thin air. Arrange is still okay terminology. Anyway, their names are EJ and Catherine, and we had a lot of fun talking to them. Yep, they got lots of good insight. They've got experience in both the swinging world and the poly world, so definitely lots of good info. Mm -hmm. Before we jump into that, we just wanted to quickly remind everybody, we got some emails and people started reaching out to us a couple weeks back after we released the episode with CJ, not EJ, uh, the first <laughs> that was two weeks ago. The first uh, single person we had on the show saying that they didn't know that we would want single people on the show, and so we just wanted to remind everybody that our our goal is to talk to as wide of a variety of people as we can. So whether you're single, you're in a couple, maybe you come on the show by yourself, maybe you're in a group of more than two, um, whether you're gay, straight, bi. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you're from either. Yep. Anywhere in the world, cis, trans, straight, whatever. We don't care. We just want to hear your stories and get as many different perspectives and dynamics. That's the whole goal for this project podcast. Yep. So anyway, before we jump into the interview, we also wanted to mention that we will be going to Desire in November with the Life on the Swing Set takeover. There are still some rooms available and the dates are the 3rd through the 10th, I believe. And it's a great, really welcoming environment. We've gone the last two years and really enjoyed ourselves. So we decided to go back this year and we would love for any of you guys to join us. So if you want to sign up and go, you can head over to SS Desire, as in Swing Set Desire, so ssdesire.com, and you'll see all the information on how you can do that. Um, Let's see, what else were we going to tell people? You can find us at our website at normalizingnomenogamy.com. You can also find us on Twitter under the screen name NNM Podcast, and also on Cassidy under the same screen name. And if you want... You can even go to Cassidy through our website, one of the links, and you'll get a free 30-day trial. And also, if you use the links on our website or if you go to uh, www.stdtestexpress.com slash 
normalizing, you can get 15% off all of your uh, STI and STD screenings for the rest of the year. Yep, all those links are on our resources page. Yep, so go do that, and we will see you guys after the interview. Bye. Again, thank you guys for coming on the show and um, taking the time to talk with us. Do you mind just sharing with our listeners your your names and a little bit of background about who each of you are, and and we'll go from there. Sure. My name is EJ. I have been ethically non-monogamous for, well, since I was in the middle of college, so uh, over 20 years. But in the last three years, that has switched from swinging to polyamory. So that's kind of a quick okay, background so, in seconds. So you're roughly about 40-ish? Is that fair? Yeah, early 40s. Yep. Okay. Yeah, early 40s. 40-ish, yes, yeah. that's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, uh, I'm Catherine. I've been with EJ for 18, 17 years now, um, and I would wow. say um, that we've been ethically non-monogamous for about 17 years together. Um, he had a kind of, I didn't have to convince me, but it was like... Um, I explained to her, hey, this is something that's in my life. But and I said, "Well, that sounds interesting. Let's let's try it out." So uh-huh. uh, we were swingers for uh, a, a long time, up until the last couple of years or so, and uh, decided that maybe uh, polyamory was the really the route we should have been going. Okay. So was so it sounds like EJ was involved in the swinging community before you guys met. Is that true? Oh yes, okay. absolutely. I, I I I'm from the well. We're both from actually from the West Coast. But I was involved in the swinging community in California, like through college, and I enjoyed it. Just as, and, a, as a single guy or with a partner at that point? With a partner. Okay, cool. And uh, I uh, have moved around the country a lot. So between myself and my previous partner and Catherine, we've kind of almost done the interstate tour of swing lifestyle cultures around the country. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, California, Arizona. California, Arizona, Louisiana, Illinois, Texas, Maryland. There's so many. DC, Virginia. Kind <laughs> wow. Of, kind of a little little bit of everywhere. Yeah. And I did you know, Oregon and yeah, all over. Wow. So So how how did you initially get into it when um, uh, when you were in well, college? For, for me, this was really before internet connecting was huge. So it was more I don't remember how it happened, but really it was like invited to a party by an older couple. So if you can imagine, there's these young, you know, barely 20 something. And this older couple is like, hey, we got this cool party and kind of went and we're like, you know, kids in a candy store. Older as in people who are now. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're so old. Those old 40 year olds. (laughs) Right. Oh, my. And, And it was a lot of fun. And I would say it was super exciting and fun for, for at least for me, for almost like 15 years until for me, it just got to a point where the uh, excitement factor and the satisfaction was kind of empty and it just wasn't the same anymore. But I didn't really know what, 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 why or what that was. Right. And uh, Catherine explained to me something that she felt she was, which was demisexual. And I didn't really know much about it. And then after time, 
I kind of started to understand it. Do you mind explaining what that is for anybody who's not uh, sure, aware? Sure, sure. Um, so I had really enjoyed the the swinging community for uh, a good chunk of that time, but then I started to get really burnt out and it wasn't really fulfilling to me. So I started to do some research and um, as demisexual, that is where you really need to have some kind of connection with someone more than just like, hi, I just met you. I think you're attractive. Let's go have sex. Right. Um, right. I really more more to, than like, a one night stand. Right. I needed to have at least, you know, a friendship. Um, at the very least, uh, I found that whenever if we were at a swing party and we would play with friends, I found it a lot more fulfilling than if I just, you know, played with a stranger. It'd be fun in the moment. But then later I'd look back on it and be like, well, it, it really felt like it was missing something. Right. So uh, you just kind of as a demisexual as my definition, I, I just, I need to have a little bit more there than just a physical attraction. There needs to be a mental connection there. Okay. Yeah. So when EJ brought this up initially, you said there was a little bit of convincing that had to happen. How did, what did that process look like for you guys getting into the swinging side of things? When I, I met EJ, I was a 22 year old virgin and, um, it was more of a, it wasn't very much convincing. It was more of a, it was more, he didn't want to be the only person I was ever with kind of thing. And I was kind of nervous. Uh, I took her to a famous lifestyle club in Las Vegas. And I was pretty clear that I'm like, hey, let's go just to kind of see what's there. No expectations. I just wanted to show you this world because you were kind of curious about it. I'm like, we're here. And so we went there with no expectations. And then while we were there, she just kind of jumped into being interested. And afterwards, I was like, are you sure? Were you okay with that? You know, like it was definitely me kind of stepping back and her going, I'm into this. And we kind of went from there um, as far as that initial Oh, yeah, it was definitely like a kid in a candy store, kind of, for me. Like, woo! I was going to say, that's kind of a wild jump to go from uh, being a virgin to just showing up at a swingers club and and seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah, she went from from, from virgin to that in like a year and a half. Wow. Wow. He's a bad (laughs) And And then you guys sort of navigated that community for the next 10 or 15 years together before you sounds like you started to make the transition to poly. Yes. Right. And it was, um, it was kind of my idea. Uh, we had pretty much stopped going to swinging events. They were, I, I wasn't having a good time at all when we went to them. I was becoming really resistant to being, uh, non-monogamous and I, I knew that wasn't really me. And I was like, well, you know, looking back on things, whenever we had a really good time, it was when we were with um, people that we were friends with. And, you know, if you'd asked us five years ago about polyamory, we would have been like, oh, no, I only love him. And it's that seems like so much work. I can't even imagine to like, oh, well, maybe that's kind of what we were doing without knowing um, for the last couple of years. And, yeah. and we had time through life. Just life got in the way of 
of even if we were swingers, life just got in the way of doing things. And when we started talking about switching to something that wasn't swinging, we didn't really know what we didn't know. And so there was a brief time. I want to say brief as in like not even a couple months where we're like, okay, let's try something different. Oh, let's be unicorn hunters. And, and, <laughs> and, and in our case, it was like looking for a male, but that lasted a couple months and we're, and in that couple months, we're like, this is kind of hard. And this is kind of like, uh, hard for us to like all three people to have a connection. And then just life got in the way and we got busy. And so it wasn't, I don't ever think we had a moment of let's stop doing this. We just got busy with life. And then Catherine kind of brought it up again. Um, I don't know, many months later that she wanted to kind of re introduce herself to that, but like on her own. And I supported it. And I kind of was like, all right. And then maybe like a couple days later, I'm like, all right, I guess I will passively step into, but more just kind of, in the background, like I didn't really have any expectations. And then within a couple months, we were both going on our own dates and meeting people. Wow. Yeah. So it kind of just evolved over a few months time. Uh, yeah, about, I would say about six months or so it yeah. transitioned into something, uh, a little less like a couple looking for a third mm-hmm. or like I said, unicorn hunting, right. which, we didn't know that was a term. There was a lot of things we didn't know about. Um, we're like, oh, this is great. We'll we'll find this person that fits into these boxes and we'll keep them there. Right. Sure. Um, dot, so, not even not even knowing how. Really, that's really degrading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she unaware, just really unaware of how that is just like uh, a really. I, I guess it's a common way for people to get into it, but. Yeah, so like we joke about it, like if there's a way to go back and look at the evolution of our separate OKCupid profiles, you know, they've changed so many times. And, uh, you know, as we learn what we were looking for, what we wanted. Oh, yeah. When we started out, we had we sat down and we wrote lists of these are our goalposts, our, our guidelines are we didn't want to call them rules. We were reading the books and we don't make rules. Right. Yeah. And, Come up with these. Uh, what was the word we used? There was a word. It was boundaries. Boundaries. It was. These are the. These are our boundaries. And you know, it was probably like three or four pages of things where uh, was, uh, I wouldn't be comfortable with this, and I don't want you to do this, and this is what you can do, and this is what you can't do. And um, and this was all after having spent fifteen years in the in the swinging world, right? Exactly, because it's a different. There's not. There's generally no emotions involved with uh, swinging other than like physical reactions to things. And and we had been used to those previous 15 or so years. Every now and then there would be one off where her or I would play separately during that, I would call it the swinger era. But generally we were always so used to sharing our experiences. So all of a sudden we were getting used to this new polyamory lifestyle where uh, the shared experiences was the exception instead of the rule. So that was so, new. So were you guys back during your, your self-proclaimed swinger era, Did mm-hmm. were you typically looking for other couples or is that was that um, the standard? I, you know, I, I don't know if we ever... No, we weren't looking... Know. We were never looking for anything in particular. Yeah. 
Um, it was just whoever would strike our fancy, I guess. It could be a couple. It could be just a single male or uh, a single female. Um, One thing I think we did look back on, I mean, I think we looked on, we looked at it while it was happening, but we didn't know that there was really any other choice until later years in swinging, was that in swinging, if, if you're swinging as couples with couples, it's really hard to get all four people on the same page. And so sometimes, as I'm sure you've heard before, there's going to be that taking one for the team where someone in that quad is not interested. And that's just something we didn't really care to to do. But sometimes it would still happen and we wouldn't really be, one of us wasn't maybe cognizant of it. And so that was, I think, something that was a relief for us in transitioning to polyamory is that that's not something that we really need to navigate anymore. Yeah. That four-way connection is really, is really tricky, I think. And sometimes something that a lot of people in the swinging world struggle with. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, it's, it, even while we were swingers, I think we even saw while we were swingers, we were aware that it was easier for us to swing with singles. Uh, we probably recognized in our later year swing that it was easier for Catherine and us to swing uh, with a single male or a single female. And it didn't necessarily mean that we all had to play with each other. It was just, we knew that it wasn't taking one for the team. Yeah. Uh, sure. It got rid of that aspect. She liked this guy. Great. She can play with him and I'm joining in. Or I like this lady. Great. She can play with me and Catherine could join in. And with couples, it's very rare. It, it happened it very rare that we would all be like, I like her, she likes him. All right. It, it was just not very common. Yeah. Just out of curiosity on that note, are you guys both, do you guys both identify as, as straight or when you would play with other couples or other single people? Was it sort of you were looking for girls that you both liked or guys that you both liked? I identify as uh, straight personally. Uh, I have tried. I've done, I, 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 somebody called me a pillow princess. <laughs> I mean, I, boobs are nice. Boobs are lovely and beautiful, but I, I, I not want to be in a relationship with a woman and I'm not interested in having sex with a woman. And I learned when I transitioned to poly because I actually decided, you know what, I'm going to be open-minded here and just go on dates across the spectrum. Like, so literally like a pansexual spectrum. But I found out that I pretty sure that I felt I was what you would call heteroromantic. And as far as when I was a swinger, it was mostly straight situations or scenarios. It's mm-hmm. kind of frowned upon in most of the swinging communities that we've been um, part of it, for bisexual males to even be comfortable allow um letting people know that they're bisexual yeah Yeah. but you know women everywhere let's let's let all the bi females you know everywhere so um, and and even more than that sometimes it's almost frowned upon if you're not a bi female right it's sort of uh, almost a requirement for couples yeah i definitely felt that too (laughs) yeah it's almost like sometimes and she might not use the word but it's almost like Catherine, you would almost passively say is like by friendly as in i don't have anything wrong with being with bi females and 
been there, done that. But it's a lot of people use the term by curious. Yeah. And that was one thing we joked about. Nope, Catherine's not curious. She's already tried it. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's friendly with it, but it's not the thing. Right. Um, and, and one thing we also noticed, and this is uh, not really dependent on sexuality, but difference in lifestyle cultures and regions. We found that in some areas, like you just mentioned, it's very heavy by female. And in other areas we were in, it's very heavy uh women looking for multiple men and well i would say the region we're in which is like the mid-atlantic uh it's very skewed towards by by females the the clubs the swinging community around here uh whereas we were on the west coast it was there were a lot more um single men allowed at clubs um or invited to clubs and here they're kind of excluded like the the pricing to clubs is kind of, um, you know, skewed towards single females being really cheap and single males either not being allowed to come at all or being exorbitant in cost. So they, sure. they don't want to come. Yeah, sure. That, that expands on it. I was going to ask a question about what differences in the you've seen in the lifestyle, depending on the location you're in. And so that's a good example. Right. Yeah, the uh, the West Coast is definitely um, less by female. Um, yeah, yeah, I would definitely say yeah, West Coast and Southwest was definitely um, had more of a you might want to call it the, and not that it doesn't exist out here on the East Coast, but more of that hot wife, multiple men um, option at lifestyle events. Okay. And uh, sometimes that doesn't always go well though, because if the club or lifestyle event does not that the people who come, we joke, you get the situation that we call the uh, everybody chasing the soccer ball, where <laughs> you have a bunch of single men who don't really understand the norms following what they think is an opportunity instead of kind of staying in their lane or... or, or it's that pre- preschoolers playing soccer. Yeah. Like Everyone just follows the ball. Right. There's nobody guarding the goal. There's nobody staying in their positions. And so, uh, you know, that, that was one thing. And out here, that doesn't exist. But they're also, it's to the extreme of, you'll go to a swing club and there could be 200 people there. And out of those 200 people, there could only be, on one hand, could you count the single men who get vetted to go to that club. Right. So that is one, and whereas it's full of opportunities for, by female, nothing wrong with that. Just a difference in the culture. Sure. Yeah. So when, when you guys started this, originally, you talked a little bit earlier about rules uh, for your poly side of things. Had you... Did you lay out a whole bunch of rules for the swinging side? And then what did those rules look like compared to your poly rules? If I can remember, I would say sometimes we would have discussions of like, hey, let's check in with each other. Um, or uh, I know for a while it's like, hey, we're, we would prefer to be in the same room with each other. Like there were periods where we're like, yeah, if we're going to a swing club, uh, we wanted to swing together. Like it wasn't like she's going to go find somebody and go to one room and I'm going to go to another. That was probably something that we did back in the day. And because we haven't been swinging really in the last, we go to swing clubs still, but we go as like a, as a social setting, not as to, to find casual partners. Uh, it yeah, hasn't really come up. We uh, still hosted a local club that we're friends with uh, the owners 
um, just because we want people to get a good intro experience into anything that's um, ethically non-monogamous, whether it's swinging or polyamory. And we've been in it so long that, you know, we want people to understand that it's not, it's not as scary as it could possibly be when you yeah. show up to one of the things for the first time. Right. 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 Yeah, because we we host a monthly um, polyamory uh, discussion social group, and um, we understand a lot of people who have been poly, like went started polyamory first, are very excited and interested in swinging. Like they're going the opposite route we went, and we I understand. I think that's awesome, and so we kind of have helped facilitate them, like help, or you could say, uh, figuratively hold their hand and hosted them at the swing club so they can kind of see what it was like. And that, that has been fun. Yeah. So you're, so you're seeing a shift in people that are, <clears throat> had been poly starting to lean towards going to swing clubs. Is that, is that I true? think it's more of an interest in both. Like it's exciting and it's a way to like, for them to expand their circle, meet new people and go. And, and I think it's more that they're interested in going with a group of other poly folks. So okay. maybe playing with other poly folks, not necessarily going there to meet anybody who is strictly swinging. So maybe it's more for the environment, it sounds like, just the the charged environment of being around other like-minded people and being able to play together in an open environment. Correct. Yep, absolutely. That's what I've seen from the people that we've uh, taken to group events or hosted at group events. I think so. When you got into the the poly side of things, you had started with you said like four pages of rules when you shifted to poly. Have have those rules stuck around, or have they sort of as you've figured out the lay of the land, you've sort of relaxed them and found your groove without without necessarily needing to have so many guidelines. I would say they slowly melted away over time to a point where um, we I think realized. And I would say fairly recently, it's in the last few months, that we are exploring a concept that's called solo poly, which when I heard it, I'm like, how can you be solo poly if you're married? I was like, I could see if, if someone who is solo poly, if they're single. But we had a married couple who's like, we're solo poly. And I didn't get it. And then I understood it um, more abstractly that we both have our own agency. I can't tell Catherine what she can do just as like she can't tell me ej what to do we may express our thoughts about it but ultimately that's her decision she she says these are my boundaries these are what i'm comfortable with and i say these are my boundaries these are what i'm comfortable with but we had to make our own decisions so for example i would say there are i wouldn't even call them rules they're just like understanding that hey Catherine. If you're going on a date with a new guy and it's somebody who, like, we don't even know, for safety's sake, even if, like, I was, like, a girlfriend of yours, you would let me know, hey, me and the guy, we, we just left the local coffee shop and him and I are going to go have a drink at X bar down the street just right. so you know that I'm safe. Like, so it's not even a rule. It's just a, like, safety thing, you know? Well, and, and courtesy, too, I think. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. But before, I think a lot of the rules that we had came from a definite place of insecurity. Uh, we were secure in our relationship. It was just so new. And 
be with emotions being involved. I have zero jealousy issues of him having sex with other people. Like, have fun. That's great. I'm glad you're having a good time. Kind of hot. But what you want to have emotions with this person was a, that was a hard thing at first to be okay with. Um, so a lot of the rules were uh, skewed towards kind of limiting what each other could do because we were insecure in what was going to happen. Was I gonna? Were we gonna lose each other? Were was he going to fall in love with someone and not be in love with me anymore? It was all unknown. We didn't know. Yeah. And I know for for me, I am big on compersion, whether it be. Catherine enjoying herself sexually or or Catherine enjoying herself building an emotional connection with somebody. I uh, gain happiness out of her happiness. But early on, I was so used to um, almost to a hyper-communicative level. I was so used to always knowing what was going on that it was really hard for me to step back because I was so excited for her that I needed to learn that she needed her space to share with me what she wanted to share instead of me being like, uh, Oh, tell me what happened. Oh, this, that, Oh, I was like so excited about everything. And now I think we're getting to a better place where we realize that our relationships grow better when we don't overshadow them if that makes any sense. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I guess so early on, was there that feeling of like almost that you were being like smothered sometimes when you were trying to meet new people and you felt like you couldn't do it the way you wanted because you were afraid you were going to do something that was going to upset the other person? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd ex- exactly describe what she was probably thinking. <laughs> it was exactly like I kind of, you know, with my mindset was, I kind of want this for myself. I, if I'm going to build this relationship, it's not our thing. It would be my thing that I then would process and then make it our thing. But if I'm having to give it to you as soon as I walk in the door, it's no longer my thing that I'm processing to share with you. It's becoming your thing and you're getting off on it. So I was a little resentful about that for a while. Yep. And then we, Actually, we started, we found a polytherapist who is Polly herself. Yeah, she's a licensed clinical social worker. And we started seeing her once a month. And I wouldn't even say we were in a crisis mode, but it was one of those, hey, we could do better. And it became almost like you call preventive maintenance, a monthly checkup, with whether things were good or bad. And it's, it, I have found it very helpful because... We both have different communication methods, and everything about all of this is about communication. Communication, communication, you cannot have enough communication, except I'm a really bad communicator, and when he's communicating with me, I am not translating what he's trying to say, and I'm not able to put across what I'm trying to say where he can understand it, and she kind of is the middle of the ground able to say well I think this is what EJ is trying to say and this is what Catherine's trying to say and we go oh well I thought you were saying this yeah I know definitely we've been seeing her for about two years I would say 
I know definitely prior to those two years, I was the kind of person was, we have a problem, let's solve it. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to sleep. Let's solve it. And she was definitely, and I totally see it now because now I feel that we're in a place where we have a lot more patience because we realize that anytime we have a communication barrier, that space can make it better. And I did not grasp that concept maybe three years ago when we started it. Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and, that, and it's really cool, too, that you guys, it seemed like it was going all right, but you're like, you know what, maybe we could do it better. We're not we're not falling apart. We're not about to get a divorce, but maybe there's better methods of approaching this that we don't know about. And then you found somebody who helped you get there. I mean, that's... And, and also it sounds like they helped you or your therapist helped you both realize how you communicated a little bit more clearly and how you could improve that to work together. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. And and we look back on it and it comes up a lot in the poly discussion social that we run and then other ones we go to in the region. And people call it the year of grand mistakes, where many people will say the first year that you practice polyamory, you're going to make mistakes. And uh, it's almost an anomaly if you don't make mistakes. Right. And so that's one thing we realized is that, yeah, we learned a lot that first year or so. And we continued to learn year two. And we're still learning here three years into it, I guess. Is it three years? I think we just had we had a pretty good base coming from a yeah. swinging background. There were a lot of things already negotiated that we didn't really have to think about. Yeah. You know, it was always like the same rules apply when it came to sex. It was always practice safe sex, you know, there was never issues with, you know, um, discussing like, okay, I think this is, you know, gonna, this is going to be the night that we actually do something with this person. And, right. you know, that there wasn't, there wasn't ever any kind of uh, problems with that end of the scale because we came from <clears throat> that swing background. So there was already kind of a base layer there. Yeah. I, I will say though, that um, it took a year plus of experience to better appreciate all the polyamory resources that were kind of thrown at us when we started. Um, Cause you know, there's tons of books out there and podcasts about polyamory, but I feel it's like some of them are like trying to throw a college level book at somebody when they're a freshman in high school. Right. Yeah. They're, they're just, okay, these are words on a page. I know how to read these words, but after a couple of years, I was so much better able to understand and apply the same thing I read the year prior. Right. So I don't. I think it's really hard for people to book up and do poly because oh, I listened to some podcasts and read some books. I read more than two, and the ethical slut. I know what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when he first read it, he's like, "Oh, none of this applies to me. Uh, I don't agree with anything they're saying. I'm just going to do it my way." <laughs> And, uh, and then coming back to it a year, year and a half later, we're like, oh, I get what they're saying now. Yeah, that does make a lot yeah. of sense. But I was only going to get it by like crawling and falling before I could like walk and run is what I can tell people. Yeah. Like there's only, you can do a lot of research, but there's only so much you can do. You almost just have to try it yourself and, and experience and make your own mistakes and figure it out. Say, similar to swinging, any type of non-monogamy, I think comes with that. Right. And, and, you know, we, we, we uh, started that polyamory discussion social group um, up here where we are because uh, there was a group here, but the, the people who ran it, they moved away. 
And then there was like this gigantic hole up here with no real social group other than like munches. Um, but a lot of those munches were run by kink groups. Uh, in the mid-Atlantic area, there's most of the kink groups are also poly groups. Yeah, so you would go to this group of kinksters, and half of them would be poly. So, but the half that were poly were poly people who were kind of into kink. And for example, Catherine, who's not really into kink, it, it was kind of a uh, wasted effort for her because she doesn't want to waste someone's time. Who's like, yeah, I want a poly partner too, but. I kind of want to do kink with them. And and there just wasn't a whole lot going on out here as far as the group that brought people together socially like a munch, mm-hmm. but then was there focused were, on poly. There, were, um, uh, there was a really great one that we started going to that we totally ripped off their idea for the social group. It was like an hour with, away. With their blessing, with their blessing, um, <laughs> down closer to D.C. And we went to it like, this is great. There were a range of people from brand new people to people who'd been poly for 50, 60 years at this thing, um, talking about all sorts of things, going from um, how do you deal with a, a metamorph who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to be your metamorph, or you know what is safe sex, what is you know just anything across the board, all these interesting topics, uh, how how to find a poly lawyer. Um, yeah. And the thing we liked about that group was that it was a mix of social mingling, eating, then everybody as a group had a discussion about a topic, and then back to that socializing. And we found that a lot of them, it's just, hey, we're, 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 the, we're the pink group, we're the poly group, we're going to meet at this bar, and you're on your own, good luck. Yeah. And for some people, um, they need some kind of forcing mechanism to bind them together in group situations until i warm up i'm really an introvert and i think a lot of people that i meet are they have some social anxiety so going to these munches number one is a big deal because it's really scary and then having to like oh i find this person attractive i should go up and talk to them that's terrifying but yeah if you find a common point um that oh i really liked what you talked about during you know xyz discussion yeah. It's an intro way. It's a lot easier to have something to start, have a starting point. Yeah. So you guys brought something similar to your area then, and you host that? Yes. Yes. Is Every there, month. Is there a way for people to find it, like a website or a Facebook page? Um, well, if they go to FetLife, they can find it under Pods Maryland, P-O-D-S, and then Maryland. And then from there, they can inquire about a Facebook group, but the Facebook group is um, kept secret and unlisted just for the discretion of the members. Okay. okay. But that group um, has really grown strong over the last year. And every month we do events like campouts and karaoke nights and, and then our standard monthly discussion on a topic. So like last month, the, uh, what was the topic? Oh, the lawyer. Yeah. yeah we the, had a lawyer come out and discuss, um, financial planning for polyamory partners and custody of children and things like that for, you know, and next month is going to be about the intersection of what I just mentioned, kink and polyamory. And, uh, uh, one month it'll be about like feminism and gender and polyamory. Uh, one month will be safe sex. And so, uh, that's a fun group. And like I said, really the only public way for people to get into it is to find that on FetLife. And like I said, just 
because of the discretion of the members. Sure. Um, it's not something they can search on Facebook. Yeah, they have to be invited. Like figures who, for, who who asked us uh, for it to be a, a private thing yeah. because yeah. of what right. we do. Now, now, <laughs> I, and I respect not everybody can be as out of the closet, you could say, polyamorous. Right. right. I guess on that note, are you guys out to anybody or in your uh, circle? Yeah. I am out to my family. Um, our children, the two youngest are aware. Um, I would say we're, we're mixed out. My coworkers are aware. Yeah, I would, I would say it's a, we don't necessarily broadcast it to people that don't aren't asking to know, right. but um, we're not necessarily hiding it. So I'd say we're like one foot out. Right. And we're, was this more recent when you guys made the, the shift to poly or were well, you guys out well, during your swinging, sleep? We were not out at all. Okay. Cause there's kind of a, there's a culture behind swinging where it's like, that's what we do on the weekends. And during the week, we're a regular mom and dad who have our nine to five office jobs and nobody knows. Which which kind of reminded me about how I mentioned that we 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 that that unknowing trial run of us switching from swinging where her and I were looking for one male, which only lasted about a couple months. And then life got in the way. I think that's an example in swinging. Life can get in the way. Yeah. In Polly, Polly is your life. If you truly have an emotional connection with your partner. Um, I would say, for example, uh, I have a girlfriend and I would call us a consummate connection, which is a whole other discussion between like fatuous love, romantic love, and, um, what's the other one? Um, companionate love. Like we're all sides of that triangle as I am with Catherine. Oh, I, I would totally recommend looking up that triangle if yeah. you, uh, um, ever have a chance if you okay. haven't already. We'll, we'll try which to put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And there's a picture of it in the FetLife profile for that pods group. But what I was going to say about that as far as life, um, I'm not going to tell my consummate partner, hey, life is getting in the way, so um, um, I'm not going to be loving you right now. You know, But but it was swinging, life can get in the way, and we're not going to be going to that swing club for a few months because we're too busy. It's you know? more like swinging is what we did, and I identify more as a polyamorous person right singing was it was a fun thing to do but i would i wouldn't say i was ever really a a swinger yeah like it wasn't like oh hey i'm gonna look this up and and i I will go find things to go do i was just like okay i'll i'll go along with it it's fine and i would feel even stronger in that identity for Catherine because there was a period where she didn't have um, another serious partner other than me, yet she still identified as polyamorous. And that was something that really resonated in that polyamory doesn't require a partner. It's like you're maybe a state of mind too. Right. So back when you guys were swinging, was it something you did like monthly or every couple of weeks or? It really depended on life. Yeah. Uh, I would say at the beginning it was pretty often because it's woo exciting. Yep. Yeah. Go, go, go. You know, it's say, like, it was like an NRE kind of thing, with new relationship energy kind of thing, basically. I would say for the first two years, it was at least every other weekend, at the very least. Yeah. Right. And then uh, near the end, it was maybe twice a year. 
because I was like, oh, I don't really want to go to this at all. Uh, these people are so boring. And it wasn't, it wasn't that they were boring. It was that I wasn't, I wasn't invested in it because I knew I wasn't going to find someone I was going to connect with. Right. Yeah. So when, when you made the shift to Polly, did you, did it sort of rejuvenate that energy and you guys jump back in and probably shifted to different types of websites to find people and was there that whole new excitement again prior to that i wasn't really on any websites um it was all couple kind of uh profiles like oh we are going to this event because i wouldn't go to events by myself and i i would say like uh try not to speak for Catherine, but i remember i was observing it and i was thinking about this the other day is that that first six months or year of Polly, actually, I remember asking Catherine, like, hey, you have this new boyfriend. Aren't you going to keep dating? You're Polly. And she's like, no, I'm good. And I didn't get it back then. And now I get it that um, it's different than swinging. Where in swinging, it's like, go, 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 fun, 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 sex, sex, sex. In Polly, sometimes maybe you have a better realization of your emotional bandwidth. And she did better than I did. And so there were many times where I overfilled my plate because my brain still was used to a certain thing. But then I had to like, like reap the consequences. I'm like, wait, this isn't just a shallow, fun relationship. I'm actually dating this person and it's a deeper investment. And that takes a lot of emotional bandwidth. And I didn't get that right away. Yeah, so you kind of had to learn that lesson by going out on a lot of dates and, and meeting a lot of people that was almost too much at sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a point in time where I, if I if I was seeing someone and they're like, oh, I'd be really uncomfortable, you know, dating someone that your husband was dating. I'm like, well, good luck finding <laughs> anyone between the ages of 18 and 85 who's female in this area that hasn't dated him. Um, <laughs> he was a busy guy. He was a very busy guy. He was trying to... You know, even if he wasn't physically attracted to them, he was being very open-minded. Like, hey, maybe I can connect with them on an emotional level and still, you know, just kind of dating everyone. I was figuring, I was definitely figuring me out in Bali that first year, year and a half. Right. And have, have you since refined that approach, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. In fact, there was a period uh, of almost a year and a half where... I was just myself, Catherine, and my other girlfriend. And that it was the three of us. But one thing you reminded me of is when you mentioned being in the closet, which I know kind of changes the subject. <laughs> but but um, you you mentioned us opening up. We I would say we were forced to open up because we felt comfortable doing it. But uh, a girlfriend I had, um, I would say it was about a year into being poly and it was a good relationship um it came just that it was going to work out that she and her daughter she was a single mother were going to move in with us it was it was short term but obviously that was not something that we were going to be able to hide from the children or um Catherine's family that happened to live with us so they already knew her as a friend and they got along with her and her daughter and so that kind of was a forcing mechanism for us to become more open so our children didn't know that daddy was cheating or when mommy would leave um, sometimes to go out with a friend, 
So we opened up to them. We opened up to some of the family because it was not anything that could any no longer physically be hidden. And that was a really great experience. It's like yeah. So I was going to ask, how did everyone take it? It was you know, our our oldest was ten at the time, and at first he was like, oh, okay, like a little confused. And I was like, okay, so I need to explain this a little more basic to you. Mommy has a boyfriend and daddy has a girlfriend, but we still love each other. We're still married and that's not changing. He's like, oh, <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, um, the youngest, we didn't explain really anything to him. He was five at the time, four or five. Yeah, four. So we were like, we're just going to raise him up as this being normal. What's what our life was like. And we only explained it to the oldest one because he's very, very intelligent and very, very observant. Um, and he's been, he's been really great about it. He, he's known anyone who's been pretty serious with each of us. We generally don't bring anyone around until we realize, we, we feel like this person is someone who's going to stay around, um, around our kids. That yeah. was, that was something that's kind of stuck around from one of the rules yeah. is that the kids don't need a constant flow people coming through their lives that aren't going to stay around yeah so definitely that relationship and that dynamic you might have heard the term that was definitely for us kitchen table poly and it is also a style that we don't necessarily expect but we enjoy what i would call kitchen table poly moments because right now we aren't cohabitating with partners like that situation was but where sometimes my family and my girlfriend's family, we will all hang out and literally at the kitchen table share breakfast or hang out and have movie night. And all the kids play together and Christmas we all hang out. Thanksgiving, Easter, dinners all together. But but we definitely don't um, frown on what is parallel poly, which, uh, you know, is where Catherine might have a boyfriend and they go off and do their own thing and it doesn't really mix. I think we found that there can be kind of an in-between, you know, that uh, kitchen table moments and parallel moments and um sure having some communal living situation like the tv show big love well without the evil marriage (laughs) um uh is awesome and and can work but you know it isn't it's kind of rare and isn't to be expected always right yeah one one thing i was curious about and this is sort of going back to the the blend between the swinging and the poly where a lot of the people we know that identify as swingers, they, you know, the, some of the people that they've met have become, you know, lifelong friends or very close friends. And then trying to think of where I'm going with the question here, like the, for them, I don't think it is sort of, it's not a, an empty, just, Hey, we met, we think you're hot, let's have sex. I'm sure that happens, but you know, the, the difference between poly and like having really good friends with benefits that are lifelong friends, I guess now that you guys have sort of been on both sides, how, how do you see those two in terms of parallels and differences? Oh, well, we definitely, I would say, and I'll give, for example, our group of friends from Chicago and our group of friends from Maryland. We have lifelong friends. The kind of friends we could call in a pinch if we have to go to the hospital and somebody has to come over and watch the kids. We have lifelong best friends who we would have barbecues with and hang out with who we met initially in a swinging setting that might have included play in the beginning. It just 
or whatever, however you wanted to figure out why it happened, it was just never a thing that became became a recurring sexual dynamic. But it definitely became a friendship dynamic. So we definitely had those two, where we had friends who we met from swinging, and maybe there was a sexual dynamic like once or twice in the beginning. But then for years beyond that, they became our best friends. And it was just by chance that how we met them was in swinging. But it it just was rare that it became um, sustained physical component in those friendships, at least in the swinging circles that we were familiar with, for example, in Chicago and out here in the Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Right. So, but it sounds like the, the thing that kind of drove you more towards the poly was the, like the weekend one-off opportunities to go to a club that, that really didn't work for you. And, and the people that you did meet as friends, it didn't really click in a sexual level. So you've just found that the, the poly worked better for you guys, not having to find that four-way connection. And it's easier to kind of go on your own journey and yet still be together. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I say I'm really picky <laughs> about who, who I want to, um, have a relationship with. I, I, in swinging, it was really hard because you don't have enough time to really make that, uh, decision on, Hey, I, I, I think I like this person more than just, Oh, they're really attractive. Yeah. yeah. Um, in an hour or so. Right. Yeah. So. I was going to say, sometimes you have to make that, you're, you're feel like you're forced to make that decision within a couple hours of meeting someone late at night, usually. Mm-hmm. Right. After being at work all day, it's just, that's not a great place to be, you know, making those kind of decisions. So, uh, yeah, for me, it was, it's, it's been. And I think also part of it is, yeah, let, let's say the transition happened, what? 2015, I guess, we had already been swinging pretty, we had a lot of swinging films for about 12 years prior. So it just wasn't as novel to go have casual sex anymore. It just wasn't as exciting anymore. Right. So yeah, part of it too was just looking for something more. Um, When you guys made that transition, were there... Any like road bumps or hiccups that you guys hit? Not road bumps, speed bumps. <laughs> road bumps. Any road bumps? Uh, <laughs> any speed bumps or hiccups that you guys hit along the way that you guys had to step back and recalibrate and figure out how you were going to navigate the new, the new poly versus the swinging. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples. I'm sure there were. Um, I think one thing is, um, just experiences added to our ability to observe new connections. So when I first started dating people, I had no idea what to look for. But after dating a few people, I realized, oh, I better pick up whether or not this person I'm dating really has the permission to do what they're doing. Or the bandwidth. Or the yeah, or has the time to do what they're doing. And so I guess the road bumps were dating people that I don't want to say bad news, but we're just, um, it weren't good fits. And since we had no experience, uh, getting to know people really. Yeah. Our vision was blurry. 
and over time, our experience has tightened our vision of what to look for in people. And I know what, we were those kind of people too that people probably saw us. I remember one of the first poly events we went to, people probably looking at us like, oh, this couple, they're sitting so close to each other. They are so new. They don't know what they're doing. I'm sure people look at us about that. And well, my basically my first boyfriend in poly, um, a good friend of his was like trying to warn them, oh, they're just unicorn hunting. You need to be careful. They're just wanting to use you. And I really resented that because I'm like, well, no, that's not what we're doing here. But I could see because he wasn't he wasn't poly. He was uh, he identified as monogamous. The, the friend or the guy you were dating? The guy I was dating. Uh-huh. Uh, he identified as monogamous. Um, just an open minded. You know, he's like, that's fine. That's 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 your relationship with your husband. But I, I could see how a lot of people, especially since we were new to it all, could could infer that about um, new polyamorous couples. Yeah. I would say one hiccup we had was um, sometimes it wasn't jealousy, but sometimes envy of, hey, I want to go be out doing that thing too. If there was a period where Catherine was really busy with dates or there's a period where I would get really busy with dates, we weren't jealous of the other, but we were just like this, hey, I wish I was doing that too. Right. So that that was something that, you know. Like the fear of missing out. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time with me. Yeah. And it's not necessary that I want him to do it even with me. I just like, I just want to be out on a date, too. <laughs> Why <laughs> yeah. am I stuck at home? <laughs> and and I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, any other things, too. It's assumptions. I remember that was one. We had all those years of swinging assumptions that we maybe assumed were the same when we went into poly. So... We had to just learn, and that's what, the poly, that's what the polytherapist helped. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good example. I guess I know one example was um, when we were swingers, I just had an assumption that for, uh, I'm trying to think now, but gosh, it was like almost three years ago now. But like there was an example where I just assumed, oh, she wants to take her time to get to know somebody, so she is only going to do up to a certain level of intimacy with somebody. Um, and so I didn't realize that in her head, she's like, oh no, I am totally ready to jump through this intimacy ladder. And we just didn't talk about it. We just assumed that like we were on the same playbook, maybe that we were as swingers. Yeah. And like, for example, now, now we don't have any playbook. Now it's like, we should do our own thing. But back then we just kind of, we're operating under assumptions that we were on the same swinger playbook. And then again, that goes back to communication, communication. Yeah. yeah. Not enough communication and Google calendar. <laughs> Google calendar. <laughs> so that then, has been a lifesaver. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Real quick back on that t- subject there. Was that meaning like you guys felt like even though you were going down your individual paths that you still felt like you had to, move at the same speed so the other person didn't feel like they were getting left behind? Like, Yeah. Okay. So, like, if you found a boyfriend, you should not move too fast until he found a girlfriend kind of thing. 
maybe the first like four to six months. Yes. Yeah. And we had we had some disagreements uh, about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I feel like I'm having to be pulled behind because you're you're not comfortable, whereas I'm comfortable with this person enough to want to move forward. And I remember for us, it was like, a, oh, really? You want to do that? I always thought you wanted to do it this way. And then we talked about it and we realized that we were just assuming what the other was comfortable with. Right. I know we did that a lot in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so it really helped for us to just uh, get close to that term of radical honesty with each other, where we didn't assume and we just told each other, you know, a lot more clearly and openly what we wanted instead of just assuming because for us, having such a long-established relationship prior, you know, Holly changed a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine there was probably some hurt feelings along that discovery of when you started being radically honest with each other, that you were learning things that you had uh, assumed about for so long. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, I would say... Uh, I I learned to like sit on a lot of things and not say anything because I didn't want to rock a boat. Right. Um, and then having to do the radical honesty thing, like, are you sure <laughs> this is really what you want me to do? Okay, I will tell you what I'm really thinking. Yeah. Um, which is uh, goes against my nature, anyways. Yeah, and and it was one of those things where, um, the the it's like you either deal with the uh, discomfort that might come from the radical honesty or you're not sharing it, but you know, something's there and then you end up walking on eggshells. And so it was one of those things where, and the therapy helped, it helped, uh, learn to be more comfortable and get used to that discomfort where it no longer became discomfort. So now I like, I look back on that stuff two years and I'm like, Oh, that was so silly. Again, that's a, a year of grand mistake. Right. It sounds like you guys have found some pretty significant growth throughout moving into Poly and probably through your time in swinging. Have there been some key benefits that you think your relationship has seen by being in a non-monogamous relationship, whether it was the swinging or the Poly side of it? I think for me, I have learned uh, the concept called detachment. And at first, when I hear that, just the word attachment, that sounds like a negative. But in our situation, and, and there's a lot of readings about it, it was a positive. I learned that instead of having like a marriage that is almost so tight, there'd be like some kind of level of codependency, that mm -hmm. there's a healthy level of detachment where we don't have an expectation that we always have to be thinking of things as a couple. That, um, sure, we have children, we have a mortgage, there's things in our life that are always going to be coupled, but that it makes the time we do spend together quality time because we're doing it because we want to do it, not because it's an expectation as a couple. So I think that is something that we have been working towards. And I would say that's kind of like the year four uh, new thing that is growing in our relationship coming up. And for me, I guess. A benefit I see is when I'm dating someone, I think that I don't have that. I don't go into uh, of dating someone with any kind of like expectation of where's this relationship going to go. 
Um, because I have my base, my support. I have my life partner. Um, if they turn into something like that, great. But I'm not going to be like, okay, well, we've been dating for three months. I think we should call each other this. And we've been dating for six months. I think we should move into this. And, you know, it, it's changed my mindset about what dating really is. Right. Yeah. And have you guys, just out of, out of curiosity, have you gotten to the point where you are dating multiple other people? I mean, I mean, it sounds like. EJ, at the beginning, you dated everybody in Maryland. <laughs> but uh, Well, right now, I have one serious partner other than Catherine. Um, I would uh, say that, like I said, that, like we're consummate. We probably see each other a few times a week. And uh, occasionally, we'll have like overnights. It's one of, and we will share time domestically, like doing stuff with the kids and, and you know, laundry and stuff. And then I have uh, two other connections that you could say are, I don't know if you want to call them casual, but more friends that um, are developing light social connections. I, I don't I don't even know if I want to call it friends with benefits, but they're like lower bandwidth connections. And I know for me that they know I have limited bandwidth because I have a full-time job about to transition from that to full-time grad school. So I kind of let it them know honestly hey i don't have a lot of room but i have a little bit of room to socially hang out and date that's kind of my plate right now yeah which is new which is new because like i said for that almost a year and a half it was Catherine, my serious girlfriend like that was it and for me i'm just kind of dating i'm no longer with that boyfriend uh from the beginning and uh seeing a guy talking with a couple other guys um Things are just kind of like starting phase with a lot of people. Uh, I I feel like I'm a strange poly person. I uh, around here, anyways, a lot of people are in the burner community or they're in a kink, and I'm not either of those communities. Um, so I I don't have a social group of other poly folk. Yeah. Other than through the discussions discussion group, um, I don't think so, that qualifies that to make you strange, though. <laughs> well, I feel like I don't fit in with a lot of other uh, the other poly women around here. Yeah, like we're all fair. friends, but there's definite like different. Um, number one, not by number two. So that's that's something that's carried over from the swinging thing, um, being different that way around here and yeah. uh there it's just uh i haven't found my my niche of people who are similar to me i guess right do you, did you find that a lot of the the women in the poly community are also bisexual so far i i <laughs> it seems like I, I i couldn't put a ballpark but it definitely seems maybe half i don't know and i think a lot of it is that they they haven't had the life experience that i've had so it's all it's all new and exciting, and uh, let's let's play with everyone and see where it goes. Where I've already done that, right? Yeah, your your exploration phase happened during your your swinging era, I suppose. Exactly. Right. And they're open to it, so you know that's I, I I'm not sure if they identify. I I don't know if any of them identify as bisexual, but they're definitely more open to it than 
me, I'm like, eh. <laughs> right. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, we also, I was curious, EJ, too, you said you, at the beginning, you kind of going in and with an open mind of dating a bunch of different types of people. Um, have you found that you've gone out on dates with both men and women? Or have you? Yes, I've dated, I've dated men. I've dated women. I've dated transgender. And uh, I just, um, through what I would say is a decent amount of attempts and experience and practice, that it just, I, I just, it just kind of seemed like the, I guess you could call it a label heteromantic, was just seemed like more of a fit for me. Yeah. I feel, though, that all of these labels are fluid, so I would never say that that is like dried ink. But that's just kind of what I can go by from my experiences over the last three years. Yeah, and where you guys are both at right now. But so you say heteroromantic, but on the sexuality like, side, is there more of the sexuality I, side? In theory, I am open-minded to when you could use the term pansexual okay. for sexuality. However, because I prefer not to have casual sex anymore. It's more of a, I'm pansexual on paper, but I know in practice, my sexuality is only, only going to happen with somebody who I have a connection with. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So, yeah. It's a kind of, you know, interesting thing to... Yeah, fluid. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that goes back to the, it's, it's not like there's a rule book that you have to play by. You can do, yeah. it, however, do it however you feel like. Right. Do that. So. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Do you guys have any uh, tips or advice you want to share with our listeners that you've experienced or not experienced, I guess, learned? Or learned over the years? <laughs> well, one tip I would give is to be patient when, if you're, if, okay, and this is just speaking for polyamory. If you are interested in polyamory, be patient. Yes, to do the reading, even though I said the reading might not be relevant until you get the experience. <laughs> but find a group. Find a social group and get to know the people, not necessarily with the intentions of dating all of them, which maybe I did back in the day, but <laughs> getting getting to know these people and, and, and listening and learning and taking your time. Um, and I do understand that because I have a lot of friends who are poly in rural parts of the country that that, that that might not be as easy to do. But I really think finding your network of poly people is helpful. Yeah, there are plenty of online like groups popping up all over the place all the time. So yeah, as far as swinging goes, my swinging experiences, um, same goes. Be patient. Don't try to rush into something that you're not comfortable with. And, uh, and don't ever go to a party expecting, Oh, I'm going to get laid tonight because it's a swing party. That's not, yep. not, that doesn't, no, that doesn't always happen. So, uh, I think a lot of people go in the expectation it's just one giant orgy. Um, as soon as you walk in the door, clothes go off and everyone was just writhing around on the floor or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah you, it's really not like that anywhere. Yeah, I, that, yeah, that's my thought. If you go to a swing club and you're going to be upset if you leave and you don't have sex, that might not you might not be in the, the, the mindset to yeah. enjoy yeah. yourself. So, uh, the only time we've ever experienced like an immediate orgy was when our very first experience was yeah. it was supposed to be a meet and greet and everyone got there and pretty much went upstairs and started having sex. And so that was a, an eye opener. But since then we've never come across wow. that again. 
Yeah. No, we, we, and I joke with people because I have friends who like to plan their sex. And that's not something I grew up in in swinging. In swinging, a lot of our group sex events were also spontaneous. And so I always, anytime I always think of, anytime I hear, for example, Nine Inch Nails, it reminds me that we had a big house party at our house and we threw on a Nine Inch Nails Blu ray on the big projection screen. And it just turned into an orgy in our basement. And I'll, that'll always remind me that, like, a lot of times don't expect it. And a lot of times you'll have the best experiences. And yeah. at least for us, like, planning it for us just didn't feel as natural right i would say my advice is uh as a woman dating um be choosy about who you actually go on on a date with um just because they're interested in you doesn't mean you have to be interested in them um always have Always tell someone where you're going. <laughs> That's just for safety. Yeah. And um, you're going to kiss a lot of toads. A lot of toads. <laughs> Doesn't mean you have to keep going out with them. Um, but there are some really great guys out there. So, I don't know. I'm still I'm still looking myself. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing those tips. I think those are both really good points. Uh, the last question we usually ask our um our interviewees <laughs> yeah the, the last question we usually ask is if there's any resources that you guys found useful i know you mentioned a couple that were maybe college level when you first started were there any others that you found particularly useful when you were just getting started or have found well since? one that i recommend now whether you are and let's call it elementary poly or grad school poly Mm-hmm. or even swinging, is polyland.com. The author, um, her her uh, pen name is Paige Turner, and that is a really good blog. So it's like polyland.com. So she has that website, and she puts the same stuff cross-posted on FetLife and on Facebook. And I think she writes really well from that perspective of newbies can relate and experienced people can relate. More than two is like the encyclopedia for Polly, mm-hmm. but it can be a bit overwhelming and for newbies can sometimes come across a bit judgy or holier than thou. But as you gain experience, you kind of understand where they were coming from. Okay. Yes. We had a friend that was just getting into Polly and said that she started reading that, that book and it was a little bit overwhelming, really good at full information, but it was a lot. <laughs> And the last one is the comic Kimchi Cuddles. Okay. Kimchi Cuddles is an excellent comic that through comics can really express good points. Awesome. Great. Well, we'll put we'll put links to all those in the show notes for everybody. And uh, yeah, are there any final thoughts you guys wanted to share with everybody before we say goodbye? Uh, I guess just if you ever find yourself in the Mid Atlantic. Uh, feel free to uh, check our uh, Bet Life that tries to show when we have events and stop in and actually say hello to our group. Uh, socially, online, we're about 300 strong. And at events, we have you know upwards of 40 people that attend our uh, local events in person. And awesome. most of them don't bite to ask them to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and we will we'll put some info we'll put some instructions in the show notes. Um, we'll we'll get some clarification from you guys on exactly how to find that group and sure. maybe some links, and we'll put all those in the show notes so people don't have any trouble finding it if if they're in the area. Absolutely. Great. Well, th- thank you guys again for taking the time and sharing a little bit about your. Yeah, it was really yeah. fascinating. I yeah. think this is a, a different dynamic than we've had before. So um, everyone's journey is a little bit different. And thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. All right. Well, we'll keep in touch, guys, and we'll talk soon. Have a great uh, afternoon. Actually, can I add one more thing? No. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the one thing I would really put across is that everyone polys differently. Just because someone is doing it one way doesn't mean the way you're doing it is wrong. That's right. all that is. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's a really good point is that it, it, everyone, same with singing, just any type of non-monogamy, people do it different. It's not everything works for everybody. So be patient yep. and it's okay to, to make mistakes and keep moving on. Absolutely. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you guys. You. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Hi everyone. It's us again. We wanted to thank Catherine and EJ for coming on the show. We had a wonderful time talking to them. Yes, we sure did. And one of the <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh at me. I'm sensitive. <laughs> one of the one of the best things about this podcast so far for us has been meeting new people and making friends. So we've you know, we've kept in touch with them and they've got some really cool things going on. They're actually helping some of our previous guests. Um Sarah and Bucky from a few weeks back, they're helping them organize a similar meet and greet or similar meetup group up in Maine. So it's just, it's really cool the people we've been able to meet and that those people have been able to help other guests. So um, next week is no exception. It's two of our new friends that we Mm -hmm. met shortly after we started doing the podcast via Twitter. They are two uh, very intelligent bloggers who have a really cool bl- um, lifestyle, swinging, sort of poly. Yeah, it's called the monogamishmarriage.com. Yep, so they'll be on next week sharing all of their wisdom and insight with us, and they've got a really cool story. And I don't think we have anything else to say. Nope, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>